If you want it, don't keep it a secret You can do it, just have to believe it Nothing's too high, you can reach it Nothing negative, don't even speak it If the picture's in your mind and you can see it Then there's nothing stopping you, so go be it If you know you're the best and they wonder why Just yell you the grace with the dungeons cry And put your number ones in the sky Put your number ones in the sky If you Welcome to At The Wire, a sports business podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Dan Sweeney, Associate Professor and Program Coordinator for the Sport Management Program within the Plaster College of Business and Entrepreneurship at Lindenwood University. Targeting aspiring sports business professionals, the At The Wire podcast is designed to enhance and support classroom learning by helping students to connect theory to practice and help transition from college to industry. Guests have a passion for helping the next generation of industry pros to navigate and find meaningful post-college sports careers. To inquire about guesting, contact me at dsweeney at lindenwood.edu. This week's guest, Dennis Moore, Chief Revenue Officer for St. Louis City, SC. It is my pleasure to welcome to Lindenwood University and the At The Wire podcast, Dennis Moore. Dennis is the Chief Revenue Officer at St. Louis City, SC. Hi, Dennis. How are you? I'm doing great, Dan. It's it's a pleasure to chat with you today and look forward to spending the time. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very, very much for coming on. I want to start by giving our students and whoever ends up listening to um, this episode, this show, a little bit about your your background um, so they have a little bit of context for what we're going to talk about uh, in the time that we have together. Um, Dennis, you're currently the Chief Revenue Officer for St. Louis City SC. That is a Major League Soccer expansion team that will begin uh, kickoff or begin play in uh, 2023. So we're getting a lot closer. Um, You prior to that, you spent nearly 17 years uh, with the Denver Broncos football club. So you traded an FC, an SC for an FC, rather you went from an FC to an SC. Uh, You began your career, or at least what you have listed on LinkedIn um, uh, in the sports industry with the Baltimore Ravens, also of the National Football League. You went to the University of Arizona and have a bachelor's degree in political science uh, and government and classics. And congratulations are in order. Uh, Recently, uh, last year in 2020, you earned your MBA in business administration and management from the University of Colorado Executive MBA. I want to start I want to start there. Yeah, um, because I wanted to provide the context and your background just a little bit and we'll jump into a lot more. But at the time that you decided to start your MBA, you had progressed through the uh, Denver Broncos organization and you were in a senior level position with them. Uh, You were the senior vice president of sales and marketing at the time you decided you wanted more education. Um, So I'm gonna ask you why, because by all accounts, you're doing great in your career. Uh, You had found yourself in a senior level position and then you decided more education was necessary. So let's start there. Uh, You bet. And it, it's a uh, now that I'm done with the MBA, it's actually something I've, I've spent some time thinking about in terms of why did I do that? <laughs> and why, why did I? Um, and I think, um, you know, a lot of my background kind of leads me to the, to how I decided I wanted to go back and get my MBA. Um, so I uh, undergrad was liberal arts, uh, classics and political science. 
Um, and even during my undergrad, I knew I wanted to get into sports marketing. I, I had been doing internships with the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, as well as um, the predecessor to Kroenke Sports in Denver, which was Ascent Sports, the Nuggets and the Avalanche. So I kind of had a foot in the door in the industry and so uh, started working in the, in the NFL. And, and long story short, <clears throat> you know, you uh, in 2018, when I decided I wanted to go back and do the NBA, uh, you look back and at that point, it spent almost 20 years in the NFL, uh, the majority of that with the Denver Broncos. Um, and there, there, for me, began to be a certain level of monotony uh, mm-hmm. about um, what I was doing. Um, I worked uh, for, we had a lot of continuity in our leadership ranks there. So I was uh, reporting to the same people. My team had a lot of tenure. Um, so I was surrounded by a lot of the same people. And I think I've always, I've always, uh, sometimes it's a curse, sometimes it's a blessing, but have, have always had a, an internal charge um, to try and continue to learn um, and, and have a, a curiosity um, about those things. And, you know, when I look back now, I also, I also um, understand now that I probably had a little bit of a confidence issue. Um, Interesting. Because as I grew in my career, Mm-hmm. Um, the as you as you get a bigger title, the more complex the issues that you have to solve are. And by more complexity, it means it's not just running one department, but you're trying to solve organization wide issues that take uh, a deep understanding and, and collaboration cross departmentally. So, as I was running sales and marketing, it wasn't just about sales and marketing. It was about legal. It was about finance. It was about stadium operations. And I didn't have a formal training in finance or, right. um, and so I always had a little bit of, um, of an internal dynamic that I felt I wasn't smart as our CFO, or I didn't right. understand. Um, and it was, it was not true. It was just something I had made up in my head. And so um, I, I turned 40 years old uh, that summer. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just decided that, you know what, there's one, if there's a couple of things on my life, one of those was I want to go get my MBA. Uh, and I just decided that the longer I waited, the less likely it was going to happen. Um, I knew I needed the support of my family. I knew I needed the support of, uh, of the Broncos, my organization at the time, and they uh, all fully supported me. Um, and it was the most rewarding experience I've had. Um, I actually thoroughly enjoyed the fact that I had 20 years of professional experience before I went back um, and had that. And that's different for everybody. Uh, but I felt like I, um, I actually gained a lot of confidence that, you know what, I do know what I'm doing when it comes to financials, pro formas, P&L statements, um, valuations. Um, and that MBA gave me all the confidence credibility that I was looking for. Uh, and certainly there's the academic component of it, but it was as much about being around people from different industries and different thinking and, and giving myself a bigger platform uh, to have the confidence to go out and chase, continue to chase my dreams. So that's a very long-winded answer of, um, I think I got there because it was another opportunity to um, spend time uh, for myself and on myself mm-hmm. uh, and frankly round out some of my academic knowledge and it turned into one of the greatest things I've ever done in my career. Well, kudos to you. Okay. Thank uh, you. Congratulations. Definitely. Let's go back to your undergrad degree though. Yes. Now, right. Because so um, 
our students are in most of our students who will be listening to this are pursuing uh, degrees in, in the area of sport management here at Lindenwood, and they have aspirations to work in sports. They many aren't sure exactly what area, uh, what yep. avenue, and they're still trying to figure out college, let alone what comes next. And the reason for this podcast is to help them start to think about what might be possible next. Okay, so you have a bachelor's degree in poli-sci. Fun fact that maybe many of our students don't know, uh, two years of my, or a year and a half of my undergrad education started in poli-sci as well, um, and in in areas of government and so forth. So why did you choose poli-sci? And um, why did you stick it out too? Because I switched as soon as I learned sports was an option. But tell me about your undergrad, how you came to poli-sci, and then um, uh, how, what you did, what you thought about during university, about what you want to do. You've already alluded to that a little bit. Um, and then uh, what you did right after uh, school and how you Absolutely. transitioned to your first job. Yeah, so I uh, so I grew up in uh, southern New Jersey. So I grew up in a in a suburb of Philadelphia, um, and uh, decided to go to. The, I knew I wanted to go west coast, so University of Arizona. Um, and I actually I was a double major in poli sci and classics. And people are like, "What the heck is classics? It's Greek and Roman history." <laughs> and so uh, I have two oblivious majors. Um, you know, so I uh, I'm a product of my mother. Apple didn't fall far from the tree. She was a high school history teacher. Uh, and so, uh, and, and did a lot of political debate, uh, decathlon type things, uh, as a, as a teacher. And so we always had a very, uh, our, our dinner tables were, were always filled with a lot of political debates and different types of things like that. Um, and my, my parents always told me, go study what you're really passionate about. Right. Um, you will, I was at that time in high school, probably thinking maybe I would get a law degree or something along those lines. Um, but I, I studied what I enjoyed studying, uh, and I, I've always loved politics. I've loved studying, um, you know, uh, some of my favorite classes were like studying the uh, political dynamics in Cuba uh, and Che Guevara and, you know, a lot of things like that. I just enjoyed it, right? It was, uh, I've always been more of a reader and writer than I've been a, uh, a science or a math brain, right? And so I just enjoyed those things. Uh, classics I got into simply because I was, uh, I took Latin in high school uh, and I love Latin. And uh, so it's a good, uh, easy major to get if you take uh, four years of uh, college Latin. Uh, so I just had to study a bunch of, uh, you know, Greek pottery and different types of stuff like that. So um, I could go on and on, but I, I studied what I enjoyed studying, right? right. And, and, I, yeah. and I frankly, um, was probably irresponsible about thinking about what career that could ever lead to. Well, about the same time I was going to college, I started getting internships with the Philadelphia Phillies and I fell into uh, an opportunity with the Phillies, ended up going back to Philly every summer from University of Arizona. So I did Phillies for three summers. In long story short, I fell into the industry um, and started to learn at that point. And this is in 1996 was my first internship. And I started to learn, holy smokes, you can actually do a career in this stuff. Hold on. How did you fall into a Phillies internship? A gentleman who lived down the street from me in South Jersey, Dennis Mannion. Uh, So Dennis as well, last name is Mannion. Uh, at the time was a VP of marketing at the Philadelphia Phillies. 1996 Veterans Stadium hosted the MLB All-Star Game. Mm-hmm. He needed a bunch of interns. Uh, he needed cheap labor to come mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. That was me. I lived down the street from him. Uh, he said yes. 
I, I was a big baseball player. So he said, Hey, you want to come work for the Phillies this summer? And I, you know, as most kids the summer before they go off to college, I was like, yeah, I was going to wait tables and go to the beach as much as I possibly could. And I thought that was a dream. Right. Like, yeah, I'll go into Phillies games every night and work. And, and that's that I literally, that's how I fell into it. And, and uh, no, no intentionality on, I want to work in sports. Just somebody said, do you want to come work for the Phillies this summer? Uh, and I fell in love with it. I've never done anything else. Uh, so, um, so when I was in school, the, the more I did my internships, the more I realized that I was going to be able to get a job in sports when I graduated. And it actually became less important to me about what I was studying. And it became more important to me to study and make sure I was going to finish my degrees. But it was is equally important to me that I was going to get those internships and build my network at a young age and put myself in a position so that when I graduated, I would have a full-time opportunity in sports. And that's exactly what I started to focus on my last couple of years at University of Arizona. You said you did three years with the Phillies? Uh, three years with the Phillies. Yeah, okay. summers of 96, 97, 98, and then summer of 99, I was in Denver with the Nugs in the house. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Oh, you found yourself to Denver then. All right. I did, yes. And then um, I met a Denver girl, which is how my uh, Denver keeps popping up in my uh, timeline. Yeah. But you, usually that's the way, isn't it? Right. That's always the it's way a, it is. It's, it's a significant other who, who pulls you uh, somewhere it. else. Um, so it uh, looked like, uh, so then you found your way to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, yes. And I assume that that was in your mind, your first full-time position uh, in the sports industry where you were paid to actually work in sports. And the only reason I'm making that assumption is it's because the very first sports job that you actually list on your LinkedIn profile, that's what I'm basing that knowledge. That's on. exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so graduated, um, actually finished school. I, I was able to get the job at the Baltimore Ravens um, <clears throat> in, uh, to start in December of 99. I wasn't supposed to graduate until the following summer. So I actually, uh, ended up graduating college early um, and, and did it in three and a half years, simply because the Ravens wanted me to get out there and start in time for the off season. So mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I made my way out to Baltimore, um, uh, drove out uh, in December of 99. And that's when I started with the Baltimore Ravens, had a great three-year run there. It was incredible. I worked for the Modell family um, who owned the team at the time. Uh, had recently, a couple years prior, had moved the team from Cleveland, um, built a new stadium, uh, which is now M&T Bank Stadium, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but really got to got the opportunity to work in, in the NFL. I spent three years there, all three years. I had three different roles. So every year um, I got promoted into a different role. So I started in ticket sales. Uh, then I did a lot of uh, consumer marketing, grassroots marketing type things. And then my last year I was in corporate sales uh, as an account executive there. Um, and did, did you have any sales experience uh, in your any of your internships that led you to go want to go into sales um, and, and led them to hire you in, in sales? Yeah, so I <clears throat> my first sales experience was the internship I had with the Nuggets in the Avalanche. Uh, I was I was a ticket sales intern. So I was making um, at the time <clears throat> the Nuggets weren't much in Denver. But the Colorado Avalanche were everything. Uh, back with Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg, so they had no problem. Yeah, they had no problem selling um, selling Avs tickets, but they were really struggling to sell. <clears throat> excuse me, sell Nuggets tickets. So I was um, eighty to one hundred cold calls a day, 
you know, just banging the phones, old sweatshop type model and in, in ticket sales. And that's, that's was my first sales experience. Now, when I got hired at the Ravens, uh, at that point, I had developed several very influential mentors in my career. Um, and got, when I got hired at the Ravens, I, uh, and it's funny to think about it now, I trusted my mentor so much. Um, I, I kind of did the jobs they told me to do, right? It, it was, you know, I wasn't, uh, I didn't have much say. Uh, it was, hey, we're going to hire you as a ticket sales rep. And I was like, awesome. Sounds good. When do I start? Right. Um, and then it was, hey, we're going to promote you into this role. Great. I don't know what I'm doing. I was overseeing game entertainment and, and hiring <laughs> anthem singers and halftime shows. And I didn't know what I was doing, but you figure it out. Right. And, and so out. I just kind of, I went along with the plan that leaders had for me. Um, and that's worked out pretty well. Do you want to give a shout out to those mentors and who they are? It's actually Dennis Mannion. It's the same one. Oh, oh okay. So, yeah. Awesome. So, uh, okay. so I worked for Dennis Mannion at the Phillies, the Nuggets, the Avalanche, and the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, wow. So he, okay. Um, uh, he went on to become the president of the LA Dodgers uh, and then president of the Detroit Pistons and Auburn Palace. He's now retired, uh, but Dennis is, uh, he was in my wedding. He was, uh, he's meant everything in my career. He, he enabled me to uh, dream big and helped pull me through the ceiling and always saw more in me than I thought I saw in myself uh, and just gave me a lot of confidence to go out and do some cool stuff. You know, you're, you're to, to bring in what another, uh, we had, um, you probably know him from the Denver area, James Bryant. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, on a previous episode. Yeah. And his mantra is work for people, not logos. And it sounds like finding students have to find their their mentors and the people that that can help them uh, uh like your dentist so uh, that's exactly right it, it keeps coming up uh talk after talk after talk actually and, it, and i uh i have a lot of thoughts we could spend a whole other podcast on mentorship and men being a mentee i think there's sold <laughs> I, I think there's um there, there, there's a commitment and an obligation from both sides of that equation, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's really important for people as they seek out mentors and advice. Um, those people will hopefully pour into you as much as you need to pour into them, right? And it's a two-way street. And, and a lot of times I come, you know, people want advice, people want, um, but they, they want it for free, right? And, and it's, it's, it comes with a relationship and it comes with hard work and it comes with trust and respect. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and seek out the people, you know, a, a lot of times people will seek out a, a mentor because they have a title, uh, or because they work for a logo that they respect, but it's not the right mentor, right? Mm -hmm. You really need to find somebody that you connect with, you respect as a person, as a professional, um, it, it goes so much, if it's truly going to be a fruitful re relationship, it needs to be deeper than just somebody that throws some advice at you every now and then, right? They, they, yeah. need, to, um, they need to provide more than that in terms of emotional support. You know, we all go through peaks and valleys and it's, um, it should be an investment uh, emotionally and, and um, find those people, seek them out because I've never met anybody in this business uh, who's gotten into leadership positions that doesn't want to give back and, and find uh, those opportunities to mentor. Um, but it's got, you got to find the right people and you got to work hard at it. And it's, and it's not just a one-way street. So let me pick up on that real quick yeah. and ask you then, cause I know I, I can imagine myself sitting today. I know, I know what you mean today, 
But if I think to my 17, 18, 19, 20 year old self, that how do I find a mentor? How do I go find people that will actually want to one that I connect with, or that I can even begin to have that kind of relationship with? Um, uh, what advice do you have for students to be in a position to even find that mentor? Yep, um, you got to put yourself out there. It's um, I think people in sports marketing, you know, we're we're just like anybody else, right? Like I could work in insurance, I could work, right? And we're not untouchable. We're easy to get a hold of. Um, and it really is just about you. You have to be comfortable making yourself uncomfortable, which means you got to pick up the phone, you got to email, you, you have to do the outreach, right? Uh, and that can be scary sometimes to put yourself out there. What's the worst that can happen? Somebody says no or doesn't respond to you. Right. But I, I, I know many people, even people I work with here who I'm just building relationships with. Uh, I, I usually dedicate most of my Friday afternoon for inter informational interviews. Right. So, oh, I, so I, I have another call um, actually uh, was down walking around uh, Lafayette Park a couple weekends ago and, and ran into a couple people who introduced me to a student who's at Old Miss, mm -hmm. uh, Old Miss studying uh, sports marketing. Um, and she asked if she could reach out and do an, so I have a 30 minute phone call skit, right? And, and it's, I think some stop, stop right there. Good for her. It's exactly good for, right. Good for her because not a lot of people, not a lot of students, no matter how much they're told actually do that yep. and, and pick up the phone and call and ask for time and information and, and just to pick somebody's brain that's, and learn exactly a little right. bit more. So I'm going to look away from you, Dennis. I'm going to look at the camera do what he just said, because those are the students who find those mentors and find the help that they need because nobody's doing it alone. Okay. Back to you, Dennis. Yeah. No. And, and look, I would add another thing to that for every business card I give out, not for a business purpose, but for a, yeah, I'd love to be able to help you call me and set up some time. Mm -hmm. I maybe only ever hear from 10% of those people. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and those are people who are looking for a career change in college. What college should I go to? What should I study? Just information. And very rarely do people ever follow up. Right. And it's um, it's just about making being uncomfortable with uh, people will say yes. You, ju you just got to put yourself out there. Right. Mm -hmm. Great. Great advice. Okay, so your time at Baltimore, uh, you had three different positions when you were there. You, you, you were doing a variety of different things. Um, so how did the next opportunity come about uh, with Denver? You did mention at the outset that you were, uh, I don't know if you were married at the time or on your way to being married, but you were found somebody who was a Denver girl. And did that play into your decision to go back to Denver, but you also had to find the right opportunity or so how did you transition from Baltimore to, 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 to Denver and what became a, a 17 year run? Yep. My last year in Baltimore got married. Uh, our oldest daughter was born. Uh, and we, we had a lot of life events at the time we were 24 years old, uh, happen in my third year in Baltimore. My wife's a Denver native. Uh, and she woke up one day and said, we got to move to Denver. And that's how we moved to Denver. <laughs> it was as simple as awesome. that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah that's it was great. as simple as that. So we, uh, so I resigned from the Ravens uh, two weeks later. Uh, we, we had our stuff packed up in a U-Haul and we were on our way to Denver. 
Um, and at that point, I, I, I thought I was kissing the sports dream goodbye, right? I, I didn't ever think I would be able to land with the Broncos or um, I'd left my mentor at that point, Dennis Mannion, and, and kind of moved into a new market. And uh, lo and behold, I, I uh, sent a letter to, at the time, the VP of sales at the Denver Broncos that, hey, I'm in town, I've got some experience. And uh, I was hired two months later. Uh, and so I got on uh, uh, prior to the 2003 season with the Broncos um, as a ticket sales rep, uh, you know, and, and work was able to work my way up from there uh, over a 17 year career. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that, that's how I got to Denver. It was purely personal. Uh, it had nothing to do with uh, wanting to leave the Ravens. It was um, young family, uh, young daughter, uh, and we needed to get back closer to my wife's family. And that, that was the sole and only reason for our move. Uh, and it turned out to be one of the best moves in our, in our lives because we got to raise our kids in Denver and uh, have a great run there at the Broncos. That, that's terrific. So uh, you are you 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 are you are in Denver 17 years. Um, you are uh, the senior vice president of sales and marketing. Uh, you've just earned your MBA, or rather, you hadn't earned it. You were pursuing your MBA. And let's transition and talk. Let's talk soccer and let's talk St. Louis, uh, since we're in market here. Um, and and now you're almost two years into the position here and. Um, so how did the thinking of the transition from the NFL, one of the premier leagues and well, globally, uh, how did you think about moving to major league soccer and a team that wasn't going to start play even for three years at least. Uh, well, two years at the time, I suppose. At the time it was two years. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, because of the pandemic turned into three years, turned but into three, yeah. um, <clears throat> it's a great question. I, um, so how I got to a point where I, uh, I exited my, my tenure in Denver is, um, and it actually runs pretty similar parallel to, uh, to my MBA program. And, and the MBA became a great, uh, incredible couple of years of self-discovery. Uh, and one of the things I really unpacked um, is that um, I got to a point where I knew I needed a new challenge in my career. Um, 17 years is a long time uh, to spend with one organization. And I accomplished a lot. I held seven different roles over my 17 years there. I was able to touch ticketing, sponsorship, marketing, game entertainment, data analytics, um, the leadership there gave me opportunity to run a lot of uh, diverse lines of business across the whole organization. Um, and I was just, get, I got the itch to try something new. Uh, and once I, once I came to grips with that and what that meant, um, I knew that I was going to have opportunities if I wanted them to probably go hold similar roles in one of the big four. Uh, mm -hmm. so whether that was MBA and I, I don't say that from a, um, you know, those jobs are always really hard to get, but I knew that I had an experience that would be attractive mm -hmm. for a club that was looking for a sales and marketing leader to come in with experience. And I knew I would be an attractive candidate. And as things turn out, um, I got a call from a headhunter that I'd known for a long time and I'd never interviewed for another job in 17 years. Um, and I got a call about this job for soccer in St. Louis. And my first response was, I don't know much about soccer and St. Louis really was not on my list. Mm -hmm. um, 
as those as those calls kept coming and I began to learn a little bit more about the ownership group here, um, the um, ultimately the process turned out that this was something that I felt would um, these opportunities don't exist in the world and they won't much longer. The ability to come in and be one of the first employees for a sports startup where you show up on day one and you don't have a brand, you don't have a logo, you don't have a staff, nothing existed other than an ownership group and a vision. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with that. The, the opportunity to build something from the ground up, a stadium project and be a part of creating a sports franchise out of nothing is too cool to exist. And I, I, I fell in love with that. And it was absolutely different enough it was going to provide me different experiences that um, we just, we, my wife and I, we fell in love with the Taylor family and uh, the Kavanaugh family, who's our ownership group. We fell in love with the Midwest values. Uh, and ultimately, I fell in love with the opportunity. So I, I could go on gushing about that. Uh, and it's all played out exactly the way I would have hoped it um, would um, now that I'm a year and a half into the process. But it, it has been um, I have learned the definition of sweat equity uh, in, in what it means to build something from nothing. And, um, and, and so all of those reasons as to why I really wanted this opportunity uh, had everything to do with ownership, startup, and really in just falling in love with the novelty of building something from nothing in sports and entertainment, which those opportunities don't exist. And you're right, they won't. There won't yep. be that many at this level, that many new franchises to build. So um, so let's go back to, to January of, of 2020. Yes. And uh, so you uh, arrive in town and yeah, you were the first hire. So uh, outside of ownership, of course, you're the yep. first hire. And how do you even begin the task? What's What's in your mindset on beginning the task of building a franchise. Like, so where did you start and what were some of the first things that you had to, um, from a professional perspective, from, from a franchise perspective, what were some of the first things you had to even consider and think about as you were beginning this journey with, with, with the yet to be named St. Louis MLS yeah. franchise, right? <laughs> Yeah, and so in, in, I think the first thing that's important is is to to be fair. It it was not just me showing up on the first day. Um, it was I was um, really one of six people um, that, that showed up on January sixth of twenty twenty to start this journey, uh, and that includes our ownership group, Carolyn Kendall Betts, who's who's my boss and our CEO, mm -hmm. uh, Jason Tyne, uh, who is our uh, at the time was our chief administration officer and general counsel has been with the Taylor family for a long time. Um, and a, a few other folks that uh, predated me in terms of this journey on helping ownership. Just January 6, 2020 was the first day that we all came together mm -hmm. and kind of formally started this journey. Um, but this has been a um, about really smart people and really passionate people who maybe we don't know what we're doing every step of the way, um, but we have agreed to be uncomfortable with each other, to challenge each other and go all in on this. And I think when you start with ownership group that has an incredible vision uh, and, and is doing this more for the city of St. Louis, 
than they are about anything else. They love this city. And so their vision is about creating a bright future for this region. When you start with a vision like that and the resources to pull it off, it, it's very inspirational. Uh, it, 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 it captures your imagination every day. Um, and it enables you to lean in and do, do things well beyond what you thought were possible uh, for okay. yourself. So, um, so that, that's like the philosophical part of this, right? Is like, exactly. we, we all, now the tactical part of it is like, okay, like, what do you do? Um, it's actually really interesting. Uh, and, and there are parts I look back now and I'm like, I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> right? Because look, I, I thought I knew, you know, I, I, I know sponsorships and I know ticketing and I know, um, but you don't really know what to do when there's no infrastructure, there's no process, there's no, you have nothing. Right. And that was what the question was designed to say. Like, yeah, right. like it, it's you show up at okay. It's like the first time I brought my kid home from the hospital, the first one, yeah. and we put him down in his seat in the middle of and I looked at my wife and we said, Now what? Yeah. Right? It's now what? And so you have this new life, which is this soccer team yep. and 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 this franchise. And you know, it's nice that you there were six of you, and I know, but your title is chief revenue officer yep. and revenue is kind of important yeah. and they give you the keys to revenue and say here figure out how we can eventually make some revenue here yep and so, so yeah what so were some of the big picture things that you have to sort yeah, of so um, i believe one of my one of my leadership and, and beliefs and uh, is always is, pardon to use the old acronym but it's keep it simple stupid right and i and i had to tell myself that a lot uh, and i still do every day in this job because it's it's coming fast and furious at you and you just have to simplify what has. So I, I really, um, I prioritize. What, what were my biggest priority, priorities, right? There are a million things on my plate that I know I have to get done. But the most important things were, we got to sell tickets. And we got to sell sponsorships, right? And I started there. Okay, what do we need in order to sell tickets? Okay. And I would set up just really kind of monthly priority lists of, and in those early days, it was, okay, I need technology, right? So I need a ticketing provider. Well, is it going to be Ticketmaster or is it going to be SeatGeek? And I'd never forget my second day, I'm writing an RFP uh, for ticketing service providers to go out to, uh, you know, really access the three major players. And I'm thinking to myself, I better act as if I've never written an RFP like this, but I, I better figure it out, right? Um, and so it was it was literally like, okay, we're going to need a ticket provider. Okay, we're going to need staff. So it was then I would work on a kind of an org chart and a structure and a budget and timing the right. And so then I would build that. And then okay, what what else is now more? Well, I'm going to have to figure out what are the working with architects and designers right. about like okay, how many seats do we have? What are the different clubs? What's going to be premium? What's going to be Right. And so it's it, it was really a very methodical process of, OK, I have to focus on ticketing and what are the big bucket? Right. What, what do I have to be really good at? What do I have to nail in order to do that? And, and you, when you think about it in those terms, you really simplify it into like a couple core buckets. Right. Like you got to hire the right people at the right time. You got to. Um, so that was ticketing sponsorship whole different ballgame, right? And it's and it's very hard when you have a blank piece of paper on sponsorship. What are your assets? How are you going to value them? Mm -hmm. um, a big part of our story is ownership providing us the assets to go out and where we don't have the skill set um, to go out and secure the greatest resources that are available to us to make us really smart, right? So 
uh, whether that's consultants, I've hired Elevate Sports Ventures to consult us on both sponsorship and ticketing, whether that's technology and in, in the latest and greatest BI and CRM tools. Mm -hmm. uh, we've spared no expense to do it right and to make sure that we get it right with the right people. And that has been one of the coolest things that we've, we've been able to do here. So that's a very long-winded answer of like, hey, I, I chopped it down into bite-sized pieces of things that I knew I had to accomplish early on. And you just put your head down and you start to, you start to get after it. And it's overwhelming, particularly when it's just you on the written, right? And, and once we started getting more resources on board, this thing's just started going like wild wildfire, but it's, it's been daunting. So we can't have this discussion without talking about COVID. So three months in, March 13th, pretty much everything shut down. Uh, I remember that Friday, the university shut down here, uh, you know, all sports kind of ground to a halt, kids activities, everything shut down. And you're only three months in and you're building this schedule out, this plan, this planned rollout. How, how did that initially, um, and eventually we know things got delayed in terms of the, the, the kickoff from 22 to 23, um, primarily probably because of just uncertainty, I imagine, at the time. And so um, how did that, we call those one of those external factors that you can't plan for, and this is yep. the, the granddaddy of them, so to speak. Uh, how did that impact your, your planning, your scheduling, uh, all of the things you just talked about and the things that you envisioned were going to happen and on a particular schedule? Yeah, I'll, I'll start by saying, and this will be a little more you know personal start to it, but you know, the, the backdrop of all of this is I just moved my family here, right? And mm -hmm. it, 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 at the time, uh, my daughters were 17 and 15 and were halfway through their junior year and halfway through eighth grade. And I just uprooted them uh, and, and moved them to St. Louis. We're living in corporate housing um, and a wife who's a Denver native. And so we were all pretty disoriented to begin with. Um, yeah. So the backdrop of all of this is it created... A, a huge uh, burden of personal strife as well in, in terms of my number, as anyone, you know, your number one priority is your family, mm -hmm. right? And that was a really, really hard time in our lives about um, now being trapped in, inside in a, in a town we didn't know anything about, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it felt very lonely and isolating to us, right? And so yeah. that was always my first priority. Um, from, from the career perspective, um, and I think those two things are linked, it, it got really challenging, right? Because, um, you know, one of the things yet everybody was strapped. Our ownership group is the family that owns Enterprise Car Rental. And you can imagine how their business was impacted. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, we had a big hole in the ground in downtown West St. Louis, ready to embark on a, on a massive construction project. And, you know, the world shuts down and, and you start to question everything about, um, holy smokes, you know, what, what's going to happen here? Um, but we, uh, we did a really good job. I thought, you know, we, I think we, we knew pretty early on that the only right thing to do, um, that, that MLS was really coming to us with is we were going to need to delay a year. There were a lot of different reasons for that one uncertainty, but two, when you're building a stadium, uh, supply chain issues were going to be, we, there was probably going to be no way we were going to get that stadium done in time to play a match in March of 22. Right. right. So, yeah. so. Um, it became pretty early, although we were disappointed. We knew the only right and correct decision was to push back a year. Mm -hmm. But then it got pretty funny, right? Like it's, um, uh, well, in hindsight, it's pretty funny. Uh, but it was, 
you know, we were planning for so many things at the time. We, we didn't even have a name. Uh, we didn't have, right. So we're, we're planning all of these things of like, well, when should we announce our name? And it's like, well, it's in the middle of a pandemic. Like, do people really care? Right. Like it's, this is life and death and, and the world's in a tough place right now. And it, it, right. So it, it was a lot of, um, so we joked during that time, like every timeline we set, we didn't hit one of those timelines, right. Cause it was, everything was changing every day. So strategy change, but I will say to the answer of the previous question you asked about all those things I had to get done. I knew during those initial six months of the pandemic, I wasn't going to sell anything. Um, so I spent all of my time on strategy and planning and deciding what we wanted to be when we grew up. And it was the most critical time because as soon as we decided to launch our brand and then our season ticket deposit campaign, I was ready to go. I had the staff in place. I had the plan in place. I had the vision in place. So in hindsight, it was painful to go through that delay. I don't know that we would have been able to do things as successfully as, if, as we had if we didn't have that time to be much more strategic about what, what was coming. You took what was given and, and made it a positive. It's exactly right. Yeah. And it's all you can do. To your point, yeah. it's, uh, you, you, uh, control your controllables, right? Uh, the uncontrollable was the pandemic and nothing we could do about it. Right. Yeah. And, and so you, you had to forget about that and really focus on what are the things you can accomplish and can control. So now we're um, a year and a half out. Uh, things have been announced on a pretty consistent schedule, different things uh, from, from season tickets coming available for supporters to uh, the app that was just uh, announced. And it's very slick and very fun to use and, and, and get different perspectives and interviews. Uh, you hired Coach Beard, uh, apparently. I saw somebody made a reference to we needed a Coach Beard, if you, Ted Lasso referenced there uh, recently. Anyways, there's, there's constant, you have, you have games to talk about as well. The academy team and the hiring of Lutz and the academy team now going uh, uh, regular updates. So we see yeah. the logo in action on the field. Yeah. That's all been very exciting. What are still some of the major, we're still, but we're still a while away. We're still 15, 16 months. Is that right? Maybe about uh, 16, 17 yeah, about months. Six, about 16 months. Yep. Yeah. From, from, from unveil that first experience that fans will have in the stadium. So what are some other big things you have on the go now in the next year to keep this market energized, to keep this market excited and so forth? Yeah. Um, and it, and it's, still it's got time. Challenge. No, and I, and I appreciate yeah. you saying that it, it is a challenge, right? And it's something we talk about a lot in that we, we want to keep um, the trust and the transparency into our organization um, and make sure that we don't have these really high peaks of engagement and announcements and then go silent, mm -hmm. right? So we'd, we'd like to keep like this steady state of interest and, and make sure that we're timing and very thoughtful and intentional about what we communicate, what the announcements are. So um, we spent a lot of time thinking about this, um, specifically for what is in, in my organization from a revenue perspective. Um, you know, the next 16 months is um, every day is critical, right? Right. And 
Um, and if you just look at ticketing, you, you had referenced, we announced our supporter tickets are going to go on sale in October. Mm -hmm. uh, that's about 3,000 seats to our most avid, important fans that, that we're going to have. And, and we felt that was important to pull them up to the front end of the process and right. for a lot of reasons, right? Um, but we're, uh, we're also work, now working our way through all of our premium seating. Uh, mm -hmm. So we've, we've sold through our suites. We've sold through all of our okay. loge, loge products. We're now working our way through club levels. Um, and then next year is all going to be about reserved tickets, right? And, um, uh, you know, it's funny. We've only just getting through premium. We've only sold, including suites, a couple hundred tickets at this point, right? And so we've put all this effort into, and we, we still have, it's a 22,000 seat stadium. So we have a long ways to go. Um, and it, it gets quicker as, as we get into next year, but um, our, our purpose, our vision, starting with ownership is that um, this is personal, right? We, uh, we want to get to know our fans. Uh, we want our fans to get to know us. Um, we don't want to make this transactional on the ticketing side. Um, we've, our ticket office is now over 20 people. Uh, it's the biggest department we have. Uh, so the outreach, the white glove service, the trust, the respect that we will uh, strive to achieve is, is really starting now. Um, and so we have a lot of outreach. We have a lot of listening. Uh, we have a lot of understanding uh, to, to get done before we even sell our first season ticket. So that's, that's a huge process. That sounds so simple because mm -hmm. uh, our demand is big. But in order to do it the way we want to do it, um, which is a high touch, high customer service, uh, which we think our fans deserve from us in terms of how much they've put into us already. That 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 process is underway. On the sponsorship side, um, you know, we're um, we are and we haven't announced a lot of the partnerships, but we've we've had a huge amount of success um, in great. terms of naming rights, our kit sponsor, our training facility sponsor, our jersey patch. Um, and a lot of the most significant sponsorship categories we've already been able to lock down uh, this far in advance. And so in terms of announcements, you know, we, we have a lot of announcements to make on the on the commercial side over the next couple of months. And it's uh, we're actually struggling just to find windows to plug them into. <laughs> so do you, do you yeah. consider um, I know just from, you know, reading from being well being in the community and reading yep. and being involved a little bit. Um, I know fans are probably a big part of revenue will be selling that jersey. And I know, yep. obviously, we're still a ways away because of uh, Adidas and, and the design yep. and what it'll look like and the kit. But I know that has to factor into your timing in terms of how soon you can announce a, a the kit sponsor and so forth yeah because as soon as you can you're a lot closer to being able to to get product out to yeah and, and, a, and a lot of this is um you know look every league has so major league soccer um and so we uh, purina is our kit sponsor uh, mm -hmm. we're incredibly proud yeah um a big consumer brand uh and we're just going to have so much fun with it because mm -hmm. uh, when you look at people's lives uh there, there's two major uh, passion points and that's yeah. their sports teams and their pets and to be able to combine those two passion points is really cool so um so yeah, that was Purina, a cool announcement that yeah was a, that was a great announcement yeah thank you so purina will be front of kit now here's the here's the challenge is that um we won't be able to release that kit until October of 2022. Yeah. Um, and which 
you know, look, we're disappointed in. Uh, we, our fans want it. Uh, it's a huge merchandise opportunity for us. Uh, it would be important to our partner. Um, it's just not going to happen for a lot of different reasons, which we understand, right? Yeah. There, there's production and uh, Adidas in, involved. So that'll be a 2022 uh, cool. type of scenario. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I've enjoyed our talk. I, I could talk to you hours about all yeah. kinds of things and we can go down in many many different directions and perhaps we'll just leave that for another time would love to um, do it again absolutely yeah. we, we didn't get to everything on the list here either so. that's fine that just means there has to be another time but i do think that um for 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 students who are just starting college uh in their first year and and many of the students who will be listening to this uh will be in their first year and they're just starting their paths and um they they they're trying to figure it out. And so you sharing this information in your path, um, I think demystifies a lot and is helpful. So I guess some parting advice maybe to students who are just starting their, uh, their journey through college, know that they have a passion and a love for sport. They kind of want to work in sport. What advice do you have for them for while they're going to school and, and, and maybe playing sports uh, and so forth and attending classes, what should they be doing what should they be focused on uh, in order to help them to figure out what they want to do or, or, or if they know, yep. uh, pursue that? Um, don't lose sight of the academic part of what's on your plates right now, right? That, that will always be a big focus. Um, I always say, you know, I, above all else, I want to hire smart people, right? And, and people who are studious and know how to, uh, and I know that sounds so simple, right? But um, be smart, right? So the, the academic part of it is, but don't, don't lose sight of the fact that you have an opportunity, okay, while you're doing this academic component to get experience. Experience can mean a lot of different things. That can mean volunteering, that could be working, but it is on you to figure out how you start to approach sports. Sports is a big industry, right? We're now at St. Louis City and we're just a startup. We're now at 55 employees, okay? We have data analytics. We have marketing. We have salespeople. We have stadium operations. We have community development. There are different skill sets and different roles, right? That to graduate college where you have the academic piece and come out and say, I want to work in sports, so what? Like, what does that mean, right? Mm -hmm. You have to use the next couple of years of your life to experience, to explore, to start to get a definition of your mind of what you want to do, right? Because sports is a very broad industry, right? You can work on the sports property side. You could work for an NGB. You can work for an agency. You can work for, right? There, there's a lot of different things in sports. And just going to a leader in sports saying, I want to work in sports, right? Well, that doesn't help me, right? Like I need, I need to, what's your experience? What do you, so use the time to get some experience, get some knowledge, even if it's as simple as I got a subscription to sports business journal. I've read that every week for three years and that's my experience. That's better than nothing, right? You can't just come out and say, well, I have a sports marketing degree, mm -hmm. right? Like I, that doesn't, that doesn't make me want to hire you, mm -hmm. right? What makes me want to hire you is for me to project that I can put you in this role and you will kick ass. 
right? I, that is like a very self-serving thing that every manager has is they want to hire somebody that's going to make their job easier, right? That's the way. Phenomenal. It yeah. So you have to figure out a way to take the academic piece and stretch yourself thin from timing, volunteer, walk into the athletic department at Lindenwood and say, can I volunteer on football games? Can I like, Hey, hockey, like, do you need somebody to clean the locker room after like whatever it is, expose yourself to different parts of the business. Cause if you don't do it, somebody else is, and you will get beat out because you're going to enter the world where you need a job and you're not going to have any idea what you want to do. Right. And if you don't have any idea what you want to do, I'm not going to have any idea how to plug you into my organization. Right. And, and that's, as, that's as simple as I can put it is that the people who are putting themselves out there, even going back to earlier, mentoring, picking up the phone, exposing themselves so that when you graduate, here's what I think I want to do and here's how I'm going to pursue it. You will win. You will find the opportunity. Right. But if you're just going to college to go to college and then you think a sports marketing degree is going to get you into a sports team, you're going to have a sad reality. I hate to tell you, you've got to do the experiential learning part of it on your own time. There are opportunities out there. Go do it, right? That will give you a leg up. Phenomenal and phenomenal way to uh, conclude our time together. Dennis, thank you so much for sharing of your time. I learned a lot. I know our students will learn a lot and we're uh, very grateful. So thank you. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. No specific haircut, no desired taste in clothes. Open my mouth and let my heart speak, then my greatness shows. I dive into all my fears and then I face my foes. Many gifts from God, he just tells me where to place the bows. Erase the nose and let my mind exalt and yes, that's the formula for greatness. Greatness never halts to rest. You can never stop the future. You can never stop what's next. What's next in the future is I am the best. Put your hands up. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of At The Wire, a sports business podcast. At The Wire is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other hosting platforms. Until next time, I'm your host, Dr. Dan Sweeney.